This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard, based in Los Angeles, not on the other line is my regular co-host, Jason Lipschutz, as he's on vacation for the next few weeks. Instead, I am joined by Billboard.com senior editor, Katie Atkinson. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much, Keith, and I will do my very best to fill Jason's large shoes today. Do you know a lot about sports? Um. Oh, goodness. <laughs> We're off to a bad start. No. <laughs> yeah. Good. Because that's that's where Jason and I have little in common. All right, cool. Then we'll be able to just talk about uh, music. You know, music. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> So we've got a lot to cover uh, on the show this week, as we always do. It's one of those major, major chart weeks where I am living for the charts. (laughs) Um, It actually truly is. That's no lie. Um, We've got a stunning debut at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 by Justin Bieber. It's his first number one single. A big debut at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart by The Weeknd. And major moves on the charts by a bunch of performers on the MTV Video Music Awards. Plus, Omi's Cheerleader has been crowned Song of the Summer. More on that in just a little bit. And we'll also be talking about the big news that Sam Smith will be singing the theme song from the next James Bond film, Spectre. Along with our personal picks for our favorite Bond tunes. And then, wait, there's more! Later, we'll have an interview with our pal, Darren Chris. Of course, you know Darren from Glee and, you know, um, other stuff, too. Uh, the friend of the podcast called in to talk about the Elsie Fest, the outdoor music festival taking place on September 27th in New York that he is co-executive producing and performing in, and his Emmy Award nomination. He's been nominated for an Emmy. We will forever be able to introduce him as Emmy Award nominated, Darren Chris, and... We talk a little bit about his role in the upcoming TV series, American Horror Story Hotel. Mm. Yes, he is in that show, and we can't say much about it. Well, I'll let him tell you all about it a little bit later. But first, as Jason would say, we have some housekeeping notes. If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode, because we don't want you to miss a single episode. And give us a rating or review while you're at it, too. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet me at Keith underscore Caulfield or at Jason Lipschutz, though he probably won't see it because I think he is not going to be on Twitter for the next few weeks. Yeah, hopefully. He's on his honeymoon. I hope he's not on Twitter. Jason got married (laughs) the other day, and uh, I think his last series of tweets were, hey, I'm on a plane to Paris. I just want to tweet some stuff about my wedding and like the music that they played at his wedding. Of course. Yes, of course. (laughs) I think one of the tracks was, um, oh, gosh. I think the, the final song they played at his reception was the theme to Frasier. 
<laughs> no way. Yeah. I saw him doing a duet on some Beyonce karaoke on uh, social media, so that was great. God, love it. It's, it's just so good. Um, evidently, the invites to his wedding, like the, the, the invites were, they looked like tickets to, to a concert. Oh, my God. Everything is so perfect. Yeah. And, like, he, I think he and his, like, groomsmen all had Sixers oh, socks. Oh, I saw the Sixers socks. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So... That's solidarity right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, also, if you want to explore more of the podcast from Billboard, please visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. The world of Billboard Podcasts are at your fingertips. It's not just the Pop Shop Podcast. We've got other podcasts, too. As Jason and I once said, we had babies. Um, <laughs> so now, Katie, are you ready? I am so ready. Yay! <laughs> okay, so the big news this week is Justin Bieber debuts at number one. On the Hot 100 chart with What Do You Mean? Huge news. Huge news. It's not often that a song debuts at number one on the Billboard Hot Especially 100. Especially one from an artist who's never had a number one, period. Which is, I think most people assume that he's had like a bajillion number one sure. hits. Sure, yeah. I mean, he's had like five number one albums. Yeah. But he's never had a number one single. And Boyfriend was at number two, almost there. Damn that Boyfriend. <laughs> And and people were wondering, like, how did Boyfriend not go to number one? Boyfriend right. Boyfriend debuted at number two on the Hot 100, um, and it had a, it like sold more than like a half a million downloads, but it was up against uh, Fun um, at the time, and Fun was like so far ahead in, in radio and airplay mm. that it just couldn't in, you know, couldn't, couldn't compete couldn't compete. Um, but that was in the past. This week, what do you mean? Debuts at number one. It is only the twenty third song to debut at number one on the oh, Billboard wow. 100. I know. Elite company. Elite company, and he's also the youngest man ever to debut at number one. Wow. 21 years old. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to know, because Katie doesn't know this, but I like playing guessing games with Katie. She sits oh, next no. to me at work here in the office. I would like to know, do you know what was the last song to debut at number one Oof. on the Hot 100? Woof. It wasn't that long ago. It was just actually a little over a year ago. So, okay, because I've That's been here a little over a year, so I wonder if it was while I was here Probably not. Yes, it was. It was while I was here. Pretty sure it oh, was. Oh, man, which means I should really know it because I totally had to edit stories about it. Oh, man. Um, So we're talking about summer 2014? Well, it was September 2014. September 2014. I mean, you know, it's it's the chart dated September 6th, so Can it would have been like late August. Can I a small hint? Um, huge superstar. Okay. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Taylor Shake Swift. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yes. Yes, there you go. Um. <laughs> The very first song to debut at number one, actually, was in 1995. Okay. It took a long time for the Hot 100 to have its first number one debut. Yeah, the chart, seriously. The chart started in 1958. And I think, you know, now it's not, it doesn't happen that often. But when it does happen, it's a huge event because it's so difficult to make all the stars line up. Yeah. To make the math work yeah. out. Yeah, um, But it was really hard to do it, you know, back in 1995. And the first person to do it was... Michael Jackson. Of course. With You Are Not Alone. Um, and yeah, since then, we've now had 23 songs debut at number one. Um, I've, I have the list in front of me. They're, they're all pretty much huge hits for the most part. Some of them were huge for like a brief shining moment mm-hmm. and then kind of fell off the face of the planet. Uh, some of them include American Idol winner tracks. Oh, interesting. Back when commercial singles, like physical singles, so, still existed. And also, you couldn't get any of their music until that final coronation song. Right. So it made it more of an event, right? Exactly. So um, Clay Aiken's This Is The Night. Wow. Mm. Clay Aiken <laughs> will forever have a I'll number one debut. I'll start humming that giant hit. <laughs> 
I don't know how it second. goes. I have no idea. I literally do not remember that song. Do you know how Fantasia's I Believe goes? Ugh. That was also a number that one. That was a cover, wasn't it? Like, that was a song before. Or am I just making that up? I don't okay, know. Okay, well, let's go ahead and just not make things up on the podcast. Carrie Underwood's Inside Your Heaven? Uh-huh. <laughs> Taylor Hicks, <laughs> Do I Make You Proud? Oh, man. Yeah. For for a good uh, three three or four years there, the only debuts at number one were by American Idol wow. people. But not Kelly Clarkson a moment like this? No. The show hadn't quite reached its... Uh... Um, I think a moment like this um, was like debuted at like 93 and then jumped to number one the next week. Oh, okay. Week. Yeah, yeah. It's some weird thing. Um, so anyway, Justin Bieber debuts at number one. It's a huge deal. I'm, I'm kind of curious... Is this, like, the signal of the official, like, the comeback for Justin Bieber has been cemented? Like, do you feel like he is completely firmly on the comeback trail now, Katie? I feel like this song is such a big deal for him because I had so many adult friends, like, confess to me this weekend how much they liked the song. And also that they didn't even know it was him, that they just heard it on the radio, thought it was like a jam, shazammed it. And fell in love with it. And we're and, like, oh my God, what yeah, did I just and, like, Shazam? Yeah, felt immediately ashamed or something. Like, they're not supposed to like, you know, Justin Bieber because they still think of him as like the teeny bopper guy. But I think that just shows how like mainstream, like this song, it might be the one that makes him like, not just like a teen favorite, but like, you know, just a radio favorite in general. Right. Although Boyfriend obviously was, you know, a huge song across all ages as well. But the fact that so many friends of mine brought this song up, like as the moment where they realized they liked a Justin Bieber song, <laughs> I think shows just how big of a song it could be and how big it could be for his comeback. I think, um, I mean, obviously, it, I think it really started with his previous hit, which was Where Are You Now, with um, uh, Skrillex and Diplo, a.k.a. Jack Yu, featuring Justin Bieber. That song, I think, really kind of gave him a whole new look. Totally. Um, and it was a top 10 hit on the Hot 100, and then kind of set up this single yep and kind of sort of made people focus on the music absolutely yeah as opposed to him like you know peeing in a bucket somewhere (laughs) um or like drag racing or getting in trouble totally well Um, i think people like were willing to give like the skrillex and diplo song a try as opposed to willing to give the justin bieber song a try and then they realized oh this is good and he's good in it and it was totally the perfect introduction for what do you mean yeah like set up a style and set up just like a radio readiness for that sound, yeah. I feel like. So um, just some house housekeeping notes, as Jason might say, about Justin Bieber. Um, y- you can read the story on Billboard.com that Gary Trust wrote about uh, Hot 100, about, sorry, Bieber's debut at number one. Um, but there are some amazing fun facts to go along with it. Um, it sold <clears throat> 337,000 downloads in its first week, debuts at number one on the digital songs chart did 23.2 million streams uh, in its first week. Wasn't actually the most streamed song in the U.S., actually. Um, I believe it was um, Silento was still the top stream People are still dancing. People are still dancing. Um, Doesn't mean it can't be number one in the coming weeks, of course. Um, And it also debuts at number 28 on our radio songs chart, which is kind of our all-format airplay chart, with 42 million in audience. Um, And also what's just sort of cool about this is that um it's it's really it it seems like they kind of they meaning Bieber's camp and his label really wanted to ensure that he had like the best possible chance at debuting at number one yeah like all bets were off at VMAs the music video video the same night yeah you know the the lyric video the the everything like was timed just you know to make sure that you didn't 
you had every opportunity possible. Yep. That nothing, like no no T's were not crossed, no I's were not dotted. Yep. Um, and this kind of reminds me of what happened a few weeks ago when One Direction released Drag Me Down. Mm-hmm. If they had put out their music video for the Drag Me Down week. the same week, it maybe could have made And what them. was that, number five, number four, something like it that? It was top that five. Made, yeah, top five. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that music video could have given them that extra juice. Totally. But we'll never know. Mm, so, we'll never know. But congratulations, Justin Bieber. Yeah, that's a huge look. Maybe the key to Bieber's success now is just having song titles with questions. What, <laughs> what do, do you, you mean, mean, Keith? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. Where are you now, Jason? <laughs> um, Justin, by the way, Instagrammed a video message to his fans thanking them. He said, looks like we did it, finally. I want to say we did it again, but it was my first number one. So thank you, guys. You guys are the best. Um Another big debut this week on the charts is from The Weeknd. Yeah. Debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart with Beauty Behind the Madness. Um, it, it it's, it's kind of crazy how The Weeknd has had such an amazing year. It's like a transformative year. Totally. Um, people, casual fans, probably just know him from Can't Feel My Face. Yep. The huge number one Hot 100 hit. But before that, he had two top ten albums um, the first album was called Trilogy, which was kind of a compilation of his previous mixtapes that kind of made him kind of an underground star. And then Kissland was the next album. But both albums weren't exactly like full of radio hit singles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like he really cultivated a like rabid fan base that really admired him as a sort of a artist. Yeah. Artist in yeah. quotes. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting how he's like really kind of been able to to retain those fans while at the same time being embraced by the quote unquote mainstream. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and that's, I think that's really hard to do. Like, do you feel, am I crazy for thinking any of that? You are not crazy. Um, you know, he's somebody whose name has been floating around for a long time. Drake was a really early fan of his and, and really hyped up his mixtapes early on. And Drake has also, you know, taken some influence from his style, that kind of dark, you know, moody music is something that Drake's really, you know, done well with as well. But it's dark interesting. Dark and moody. That's a very good way of putting some of the week. Weekend totally. is very dark and moody. Absolutely. And then, but then you see Can't Feel My Face, which, I mean, it has an edge to it and a, and a darkness for a pop song when you look at the lyrics. and. Is it about drugs? Yeah. <laughs> Question Poss- mark? Possibly. Can't um, Feel My can't Face? Can't Feel My Face? Question mark? <laughs> is the Justin Bieber title of the song? Did it just slip off my face? <laughs> I don't know. But um, I feel like this song, you know, just... It, it totally came out of left field. And that's why I think what you said about the mainstream embracing him, but also him keeping his fans is like, he still has the, the dark vibe, but, and this is also just an undeniably good song. Like, it's not like he sold out or something like he made a, like an amazing pop song. So I think his early fans, even though it might be a departure for him a bit, still appreciate like, you know, him yeah. making amazing music. It's like, it's like, um, like the best, I don't, I don't even know. Like I, it's like, um, like the first time you hear it, you're like, okay, this is a smash. Yeah. No matter what your thoughts on the weekend were before, yeah. you're like, no, this is huge. I mean, it's as if like, like you know, peak Michael Jackson made a hit now. Right. Like that's what it sounds like. It's just, it's such a good song. And then you, you know, um, I don't think we talked about Earned It yet either, which no. kind of set him up this year, you know, where that song really built and built and got a lot of radio play. And that's different too. I mean, that's totally different from Can't Feel My Face. And it's also different from the music he started out with. 
And so he's like just a really unique, eclectic artist who puts out a lot of different music and people accept it from him because it's all good. And, and what the, the next single from the album looks like a song that was already, I'm pretty sure The Hills is the next single. Um, and it's already a top five hit on the Hot 100. In fact, he has two songs in the top three on the Hot 100 this week. Can't Feel My Face drops one to two behind Justin Bieber. The Hills goes uh, four to three. So he has two songs in the top three. And he's number one on the Billboard 200. But The Hills, when you listen to that song, you're like, okay, this is weird. Like, it's creepy weird. It's a aggressive, creepy song. And, like, honestly, if you had two people who'd never, or people who'd never heard The Weeknd listen to The Hills and Can't Feel My Face, I wouldn't blame them for thinking they were from different artists. Right. I mean, they could not be more different, but people are clearly embracing both of them. There's a vibe. Yeah. There's a vibe yeah. that he has that is really resonating with people. And it's like this kind of honesty and sort of like sort of legitimateness yeah i guess that is really speaking confessional yeah i mean i i I kind of lump him in like sort of the same pile in pile that's so ineloquent (laughs) as um kind of like a lana del rey ish he is a male lana del rey ish like and they also the the vibe of the songs is very similar it would be interesting to see if lana came out with a song like can't feel my face yeah like where they you took like, those moody beep, lyrics beep, 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 max martin yeah exactly you can you do something with me max martin took one of her like mopey songs and turned it into this like mega hit like has happened for the weekend and also lana deray is featured on the weekend's new album oh well look at that funny Same how way. funny how that works out <laughs> um so the weekend by the way i didn't say what he actually sold or what his unit total was for the first week his album actually starts with four hundred and twelve thousand equivalent album units in its first week ending September 3rd, according to Nielsen Music. Of that, 326,000 were pure album sales. That is both his best sales week ever, and both of those figures are the second largest weeks of 2015, behind only Drake, uh, with, uh, if you're reading this, it's too late, which started with 535,000 units, of which 495,000 were in pure album sales. So many numbers. So <laughs> so that means he numbers. sold more than Kendrick, right? Wasn't Kendrick yes. number two before? Just Yeah, I think it was just barely, like by like a thousand wow. or two. I don't have Kendrick's number in front of me. Um, but yeah, it was, it's 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 the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm. And totally. he's, he's able to actually straddle that fine line between top 40 and his core fan base. And it's working and whatever he's doing is working. And I'm yep. sure he's like, okay, let's not screw it up. Yep. <laughs> let's... let's Let's not let's not do an embarrassing interview somewhere where I reveal too much about myself. <laughs> um, what else? What else? What else? I've got a list in front of me. What else is happening? A big big thing ha- or was announced this week. A little song of summer action. That's right. That song of the summer thing. Oh, good lord! Thank you for saving me, Katie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I it, it, I always joke about how I'm not incredibly passionate about the idea of song of the summer. Mm. Um, but I guess I should be sort of towing the party line of, yay, Song of the Summer. I feel like it all started like a decade ago. I want to say like Rihanna Umbrella or something right. like that, where where that was such a huge smash that happened to be released like right in the spring and it and it just ruled summer that people started like kind of deciding there needed to be a Song of the Summer, even if there necessarily wasn't, and, right? And websites realize that the phrase Song of the Summer seems to get clicks. Yes. Um <laughs> And it does so cynical. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a reason why these things exist. I think, but I I just think it's interesting that people care about debate, like actual, like casual fans 
like on Twitter, just like talking about totally. what's going to be what's going to be the song of the summer. Yeah. What's your song of the summer? I'm like, well, why isn't there like like the hit of the fall? Yeah. Like. <laughs> The ballad of the winter, like the, the ballad of the winter, single Sounds of the spring, like Game of Thrones, or ba- something. the winter ballad, the Winterfell ballad, the Winterfell ballad. <laughs> so yes, the song of the summer, we have crowned it. It is Omi's cheerleader. Yay, Yay Omi. Omi! We'll cheer for you. We'll cheer Yay. for you. He's such a humble gentleman. Uh, I I spoke to him at the VMAs on the red carpet. Oh, he was very nice, and he did. We did not know if he was going to have the song of the summer then yet. Yeah. Though I did kind of like wink at him, like you know, oh, there's a pretty good shot. Yeah. He might be, but we actually hadn't finished the chart because the chart is based on the Hot 100 chart each week, and we didn't actually finish it until this week. Um. Anyway, uh, he actually didn't become the song of the summer until I think the maybe last week. Wow. He pulled out ahead over See You Again. Wow by Wiz Khalifa, yeah. which had hung in there for a very long time. Yeah. That was actually my prediction uh, for Song of the Summer. Jason, Jason, who's very into the idea of Song of the Summer, God bless him. <laughs> Back in May, we did a predictions episode. Oh, so you couldn't, w- was Omi on the horizon at that point? Oh, yeah. It, it had like just like gotten started. Okay, okay. And my number one pick mm-hmm. was See You Again. Yeah, which I just, was ruling things like in a huge way at yes. that point. Yeah. And I just figured the math was on its side. Yep, yep. Jason's pick? Omi. No way. Way. This, this is why he is the pop editor. He's a soothsayer. Of Billboard.com. <laughs> this, he's the Omi soothsayer. The pop prognosticator. The, I'm just going to give him awesome names pop, while he's gone. The pop prognosticator. <laughs> The, the forecaster of top 40. <laughs> top 40 caster. Top 40 caster. Um, uh, so yeah. That is impressive. Like, yeah, kudos, Jason. That's he, amazing. I'm like, I have a piece of paper where I actually said what he wrote um, somewhere. I don't um, think I could have told you a week ago or a, a month ago that it would be Omi. So the fact he p- called it in May. Jason said, I might be crazy. <laughs> or it's, not. It's so damn catchy. Um, and I said, this is why, you know, I wrote down in my notes. I said, this is why he's Billboard.com's pop editor. That's, that's impressive. Um, yeah, the track, you know, people know the story, but the track was released originally in 2012. It was a hit in Jamaica, but then it was remixed two years later by Felix John. Um, uh, Felix John, I'm pronouncing his mangling his last name. <laughs> um, it became a hit in Europe and Australia and then finally crossed over to the U.S. this year, three years after the song originally came out. Um, Omi is very humble about its success. Um, but um, he also has some stuff on the horizon. He has a new album coming out. I believe it's coming out in October. And I think his next single is, I want to say it's called Hula Hoop. Um, and it's kind of in the vein of Cheerleader. Okay. It's kind of kind of summery. Kind of, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The <laughs> album is called Me For You. It's coming out October 16th on Columbia Records. Um, of Hula Hoop, he says, when you have a hit single, and this is just my humble opinion, see the humble thing, <laughs> and people are anticipating the follow-up. You don't want to go too far away from what they originally originally knew you for. At the same time, Hula Hoop is not another cheerleader. It's a good transition. Okay. It's, you know, it's kind of it's probably like you know Megan Trainer goes from all about that bass to, to lips are moving. Yeah, to lips are like, moving. Yep, yep, totally. You know, kind of like doo wop, doo wop, bop. But then you can sort of and then it allows you to grow from there. Yeah. Once people have those two hits under their belts. Yeah, totally. It's, it's all about getting that second hit. Um. Let's see. 
what else is next? <laughs> What's coming up? Well, I, I can say I told you that I compiled the staff picks for the <gasps> song right. of the summer on Thank Billboard.com. You. And um, there were three songs. Actually, Omi was, was not one of our staff picks, but that, I think people were trying to pick something else, you know, because it's been decided that Omi's the collective song of the summer. So people picked their own personal song of the summer. So now this is this is a survey that Billboard.com, Billboard.com. did with, with the staffers of Billboard.com asking them just to submit what their personal pick was. Exactly. And we have the story up on Billboard.com. Yep, it's up right now. And mm-hmm. there were three songs that got multiple votes. And so I think those are kind of, you know, representative of what we picked. And okay. the big one was cool for the summer, which obviously came out, you know, a little late to ever have uh, made much of an impact on this, our songs of the summer chart. Demi Lovato's. Yeah, Demi Lovato. It has the word summer literally in it, which makes it, you know, just feel summery in general. And I feel like when you look back on the summer, we'll remember this song because of it being a literal summer song. Right. So that was one. Another one was Lean On by Major Lazer. Right. Featuring Mew. <laughs> I never is know it, how to pronounce it, her it, name. It's, it's, it's M and then O with a slash through yeah, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just going to, yeah, Mo, Mew. Mew. <laughs> She has an amazing voice, and her voice is perfect for Lean On. And Major Lazer Lean On was a was a one that a couple people picked. And then the third one was Fetty Wap, Trap Queen, including Jason Lipschitz yep. picked that one. Um, and that's a song that, I mean, it came out closer to, like, January, February, but it has really picked up steam in yeah. the summer. And the the radio play for that song i hear it all the time yeah so that's another one that was a big favorite among the billboard.com staff i think you know the the staff was probably using it as a way to have a platform for the songs they thought were like here's a song that you should have known yeah the song that you know the metrics just couldn't help you know like like obviously lean on is one of those songs that was sort of undeniable Mm -hmm. um but it just didn't have like this like clear across the board like you know, top five every week kind of vibe. Yes. It's kind of like, to me, I think that Earned It, Earned It? No, no, no. Um, Worth It song by Fifth yes. Harmony. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's clearly a song of the summer. Yeah. But it never even made the top 10 on the Hot yeah. 100. But it, like, hung around for so long and was, like, a moment and very, like, sassy, summery, like, strutty, kind of, like, cool for the summer. Yep. But sometimes the math just doesn't work out. Totally. You know, that's so what So we can is. give them some shine on the website instead. Yeah. Yay. Um, what else is happening? Oh, I know. We're moving actually away from chart action to talk about the big James Bond news. I have a personal a personal interest in James Bond theme songs, mm. as do a lot of people, I think. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I think it's just it's because it's there's always like fun anticipation of like who's going to record the title song. Totally. You know, is it going to like is it going to, you know, and also because there's such like a long history of the James Bond movies. Yep. Um, it was announced this morning that Sam Smith will be singing the title song from the next James Bond film. I think that is so perfect. And it's actually not technically the title song because normally the title songs are named the same as the film itself. Um, Like Adele's song Skyfall Skyfall. Mm -hmm. was for the film Skyfall. (laughs) This one, however, is being called Writings on the Wall, and it's from the movie Spectre. So I'm assuming he probably couldn't think of many words that rhymed with Spectre. (laughs) That's probably true. The Spectre. I'm a collector. <laughs> There's an inspector gadget here with me. Um, Maybe Phil Spector will produce to Phil just loop it in. <laughs> and, you know, and it's kind of interesting how, you know, so many people kind of set up Sam Smith as like the male Adele. Totally. Like from and the. I don't think he cares for that. Probably <laughs> like... not. 
but from from like the get go, yeah, totally. Um, like when his album came out, it was like, well, it's you know, it's all about how he's never been in love, and or it's like, or he, you know, the big breakup album. It's like it's like a relationship album, mm-hmm. and it's very like you know, big soaring voice, British, you know, uh, kind of out of the blue, drops yep. out of the sky, Grammy favorite, Grammy favorite, yep. hit after hit, um, and now he follows Adele in the James yeah. Bond monopoly. You know, Which is why it lottery. also just makes sense. Like when I heard this, I was like, oh, of course, like right. Sam Smith needs to be doing the Bond theme. Like right. that's the natural next step. Right. And it, and it, and it's, 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 it's great for both of them. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice stopgap for him where if he doesn't have a full album ready, he can just put out a single yep. and work that through the holidays. And there you go. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the song will be out on September 25th. Um, Sam says, this is one of the highlights of my career. He tweeted this. I didn't exactly talk to him. Um, I'm honored to finally announce that I will be singing the next Bond theme song. I am so excited to be part of this iconic British legacy and join an incredible lineup of some of my biggest musical inspirations. I hope you all enjoy the song as much as I enjoyed making it. Love, love, love. Mm-hmm. The love, love, love was me. Um, <laughs> so I thought this would be fun if we could count down what our top three favorite Bond themes are. Um, and so I asked Katie to compile hers. Mm-hmm. I've compiled mine. Hopefully you still know what your threes are because yes, I didn't actually print them out. I do. Um, <laughs> so um, you go first. What is your number three? And before we get into this, I just want to say we restricted this list to be the official theme songs not secondary songs or songs that ran over the credits or songs that were heard in the middle of the movie but the official recognized theme songs to the james bond films so katie what is your number three my number three transitions quite nicely from our conversation because it is adele's skyfall Mm -hmm. and one of the main reasons that i love this song is because of um the credits of that movie the way it goes over the credits i'm assuming you've seen Mm because you're a bond fan um, it just like is this whole dreamy underwater scene. And I think I had heard the song before I went and saw the movie and I liked the song, but then it all came together like as part of the movie when I saw those credits. Yeah. They're just, it was just such a perfect fit. The credits really, if you've ever seen a James Bond film, the opening credits is where you hear the entire song mm-hmm. in its entirety. Well, usually what happens is the James Bond film opens with a small action sequence and then it cuts to the opening credits with the song and you hear like the three and a half four minutes of the full song and it's this really elaborate credit sequence for every film and oftentimes as katie said it doesn't sometimes the songs don't fully click together until you see the visuals with the song um and i think you're right it does really amplify it my number three pick is actually a song that kind of i think works in the same way and it's a it's a really unusual pick um for not just the, the song itself and sonically, but I think probably the person who did it, um, and Katie doesn't know this, but my number three is Madonna, Die Another Day, from Die Another Day. And it, picking Madonna probably wasn't like a huge gamble, but the song that came out of it was very odd for the Bond franchise because it was like this electro clash meets orchestral number. Yes. And she's not really singing in a normal way. Like, yeah. It's like, I'm gonna yes and no. And it ended up becoming a top 10 hit on the Hot 100 it's a good, chart. It's a great song. And it's just so weird. But then when you see it on the screen, mm-hmm. like with action sequences and cut together, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's still, I think most Bond traditionalists probably would frown upon it because there's not enough soaring vocals <laughs> orchestral strings there's a little bit of that but you know it's it's very madonna 
um, but at the same time, still kind of bondy. Yes. So that's my number three. What's your number two? My number two is um, Diamonds Are Forever, mm-hmm. which is done by the Bond classic singer Shirley Bassey. Bassey. I don't want to Shirley Bassey. It. Shirley Bassey. Um, and, you know, to do a little reverse engineering on this, um, you all, as pop fans, are very familiar with the Kanye West Diamonds from Sierra Leone song that he did, and it samples um, Diamonds Are Forever. And it actually, the beginning of his song just, like, plays her singing in full, and then it just kind of intersperses it. And I knew Diamonds Are Forever before I heard the Kanye song, but I think I got a new appreciation for the song once I heard that um, the Kanye version, just because it it just made it, like, seem so much more classic that you could just put it in this rap song and have it be in like a modern day hit. And it just also made that song so bombastic, the Kanye song. So I love it, but I think I love it a little more because of the Kanye West song that came after it. Kanye West. It's all about the Kanye. <laughs> Bringing it back to Kanye. Um, my number two pick is actually Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings from the film of the same name. Um, this is it's, it's such a weird song. I mean, all these songs are kind of weird where because the artist usually wants to keep their art, artistic stamp on something, but at the same time, they have to conform to the Bond sort of mentality. And that what that means is you have to usually kind of work in the theme, the orchestral cues and themes from the movie itself into your song. And so you have to work with the composer of the film to incorporate musical cues and theme, thematic elements into your newly written material. So Live and Let Die is like, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. And then it comes, what does it matter to you? <laughs> like suddenly like this weird, like dis- like vaguely disco gallop, like Rocky Billy thing. Yep. And then it goes back to da-da-da, da-da-da, where you, you just picture fireworks going off. So it's like, it's like almost like two songs squished together and there really aren't a whole lot of lyrics to it, but it works. Like it's just, and it's like such an iconic McCartney song too. Totally. So it's like it it's, it works both ways. It's like a great Bond theme, great opening credits, and it's also like a classic just for Paul McCartney himself. Totally. So that's my number two pick. Um, time for your number one already. Yeah, and yeah. you know I agreed with you so much about what you just said because that is my number one song. Oh darn! I took I took away some of the thunder. <laughs> no, but I what you said totally rings true because um, I actually think of this as. You know, very similar to some of my favorite Beatles songs, like A Day in the Life. These songs that sound like three songs mashed together, like, and somehow they make it work, even though there's like time changes and pace changes. And it's just, it's just a complete mishmash of songs, but taken all together, it's a masterpiece. And I think that Live and Let Die is one of those. And I also, obviously, um, the title is the same as the Bond movie. But I also don't think that people always associate this as a Bond song. It's just a classic rock, right. classic song. Right. And so that's why I made it my number one, because it's like it's transcended the Bond series and is just this amazing, you know, perfect song. Um, my number one is it, 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 it is it's, it's a continuation of the theme of the artist was able to maintain their vision while also being able to contribute to the Bond mentality and it's Duran Duran's A View to a Kill from A View to a Kill um and it was their second number one hit on the Hot 100 mm-hmm. um and what was so cool about the song is that Duran Duran has these weird cryptic lyrics most of the time you know hungry like the wolf her name is Rio and she dances in the sand girls on film it's like the songs are about something but you're never quite sure what they're about right 
So that was, they were never very literal. Right. It was always like these very sort of fantastical lyrics with very interesting visuals that would be created using those lyrics. So when you have to write a song called A View to a Kill, you're like, well, already it sounds like it's a Duran Duran song. Yeah, totally. And so like meeting you with a view to a kill, you know, danger, secrets. And you can see the music video already. You're like, okay, this is easy. Yes. Like it just, it just makes perfect <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, totally. So I think it was the, the perfect blend of Bond and the artist. Um, and it sounds like, it sounds like a Duran Duran song. It sounds like a Bond theme. And it was also a huge hit and it's just a great record. So that's my it's my yeah, number one pick. And not to put you on the spot, but you sent me um, a list of the top ten chart performers of these Bond songs, and yes. was a View to the Kill the first one? I thought it might be. I knew I was going to put you on the spot. Uh, I think it is. Well, it's in the top ten. We can we can uh, definitely say that. But I I thought for sure that it was the number one. It's so the only. It's the only. I'm not lying to you. It's the only. I'm pretty sure it's the only Bond theme to have actually hit number one okay. on the Billboard well, Hot 100. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's next? Oh, I know. It's time for our Darren Chris interview. Yay! Um, I actually talked to Darren on the phone earlier today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, I spoke to him early this morning. He called me on the phone. So apologies in advance for the audio, but I think it actually sounds pretty okay, considering it's a phone call. Um, We talked about the big upcoming Elsie Fest, which is a music festival, an outdoor music festival that he's co-executive producing and performing in. It'll be on September 27th in New York, and it's like him and a bunch of like musical theater stars. Um, Total theater geek festival. Yeah, theater geek heaven. And yes. Aaron Tveit is going to be there. Um, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., um, Leah Salonga will be there. Darren, his star kid friends that, you know, if you are familiar with Darren, you know of what I speak. <laughs> um and so we talked about that, which is very exciting. And we also talked about how he is currently nominated for an Emmy Award, but not for acting, uh, for writing a song. He actually jokes about that a little bit because um, he's just like, yeah, I'm nominated for an Emmy. But, you know, he's very humble about it because <laughs> he's like, well, it's not for acting, though. I'm like, I'm like, just stop it. Um, <laughs> and uh, we also talk a little bit about how he is going to be seen in American Horror Story Hotel. Mm. Does that mean he gets to play against Lady Gaga? Uh. Will he get killed by Lady Gaga? (laughs) Will he sing with Lady Gaga? We have no idea. Um, But anyway, here is uh, my little interview with Darren Chris. And uh, take it away, Keith. Hey. Hello, Darren Chris. Welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Hey. It's great to be back. Hello. I can't believe you said it was like a year ago. That That is insane to me. My time frame has just been completely warped by back-to-back projects. So I just, I don't believe that that was a year ago, but I, I think that is probably close to what it was. It was, it was. It was um, last October and you came in and, and uh, co-hosted the show and were very gracious with your time. And now you are one of our handful of Repeat customers uh, joining the likes of Nick Jonas and Fifth Harmony uh, have also gone to wow. more than once. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. well, I'm I'm in really cool company. That's 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 quite a compliment. You, Two of those. You, you and Nick seem to uh, be uh, you know thick as thieves, you know, with how to succeed in business, and and now the Pop Shop Podcast. It's it's amazing. Really? All yeah. The, <laughs> everything. But yeah, we're basically the same person with those two things. It's yeah. It's, no, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's the hair. I think song and dance yeah. and the hair. Um, I was with right, okay. I was with I was with Joe Jonas like a couple weeks ago and maybe months ago at this point in New York and uh, we we just kept going around 
me saying, he's like, yeah, it's my brother Nick. I'm like, hi, I'm Nick. <laughs> without even batting an eyelash. So I'm glad he's in on the joke, at least. At least one of the brothers yeah. is in on it. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're actually um, talking for um, a different reason, not to talk about Nick Jonas or to promote him, but, you know, that's nice. Um, we're actually talking because you are about to stage a really cool thing in New York coming up on September 27th. It is Elsie Fest, which is yeah. a celebration of – like musical theater and show tunes, and it's this day-long event um, in New York that you are co-executive producing, and I think it's such a cool idea. And for the folks listening, tell us what this LC Fest is all about. Well, for I think most people that might listen to this podcast, I mean, maybe we have some uh, musical theater or Broadway fans out there, Maybe we, or maybe we don't. Maybe they absolutely hate it. I don't know. Um, I doubt that. I, I doubt that. I think they like uh, it. I think they like it. Well, I mean, I think the people who who listen to the show, it's you know, people who are interested in in pop music and um, you know, the, following the ups and downs of sort of mainstream. And so, I guess for me, because I kind of um, have had the real privilege of being able to dance between both worlds. I mean, I'm not like a pop singer by any means, and I don't have songs on the charts. But um, you know, it's between following that and being a lover of pop culture and a lover of Broadway and a lover of and uh, consumer of a lot of different popular cultures, um, it very much interests me to kind of slam them together, um, even when, whether subconsciously or not, when I was starting out, I, you know, I loved playing, you know, Disney tunes and punk rock bands, you know, I liked playing, I liked fusing things together that were cool to me on both sides of my brain, but I don't think they had the same sort of demographic unless you kind of served it on a plate where both demographics could realize that they were pretty similar and could be pretty palatable. So that's kind of how I figured, you know, I go to a lot of cabaret shows, a lot of really great venues in New York and around the country, and I see a lot of people that do these lush kind of, you know, lounge shows. And um, particularly for the young people who go to these shows and really have an avid enthusiasm about these people performing and the songs they're hearing, I was like, man, this this energy kind of is bigger than these very – like nice venues that we're in. And then I, you know, when I go to music festivals and obviously, you know, when you spend time in Los Angeles, when you go to Coachella every year, there's definitely a vibe about that. And I just thought I could put them together. Now, um, so in, in, in short, I guess the tagline, I guess people have been throwing around is saying the Coachella show tunes, which is sort of a tall order. I mean, this is our first go of it. No, yeah, no pressure. The, the cool thing about this, this show is that again, it's on September 27th from 2 PM to 9 PM. Um, for more information, you can go to lcfest.com. That's E-L-S-I-E, fest, F-E-S-T dot com. Um, and there's even meet-and-greet opportunities with Darren and other performers. Um, among the performers are um, Aaron Tveit. I always pronounce his name wrong, evidently. Um, and you're performing, obviously, and so is Star Kid, the, the production group, the, the troupe uh, that sort of kind of made you famous uh, with a very Potter musical and so forth. And mm-hmm. Um, Leah Salonga and a, a bunch of other folks, um, and everyone is doing like 30-minute sets, evidently, of, of music that we're familiar with from their own repertoire or songs they may have performed on stage, but also I'm sure there's going to be surprises and probably collaborations that we're not expecting. How, how far along, I'm assuming you're kind of far along in figuring out 
you know, what your set list will be, what everyone else is going to be singing. That's, that's all happening right now, I would imagine. That's all happening right now. One, thank you for actually summing up what your question was, <laughs> with actually giving time, place, information, who's performing, all the stuff I'm supposed to say. When you asked me, tell us a little about Elsie Fest, I said I talked about everything else. Um, so uh, Aside from so who I was performing. You. It's okay. It's all right. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help you promote. It's all thank right. you. Thank you. Yeah, I, people who know me know that I have, a, I have a bad habit of doing that. But uh, thank you. I mean, yes, those are – I mean, we the people we left out is um, Leslie Odom Jr., who to me is a breakout star from um, the current hit, smash, crazy, successful musical uh, Hamilton on Broadway, um, which is uh, a matter of time. Speaking of which, and, and what you were saying earlier, and this is related to Hamilton, speaking of which, um, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who created Hamilton and stars in Hamilton, ha- had this great profile in the New York Times, I think, where, where he basically said that uh, folks like him who know all about hip-hop music and also about show tunes are like unicorns. And what you described about you being able to sort of blend, like, you know, rock music with Broadway show tunes and, like, musical theater and, like, your love of, like, Alan Minken or, or whatever, it, it's kind of like a unicorn. But the thing is, there's this passionate, you know, like, herd of unicorns that, that run around on the Internet that would love to go to a show like this. And that's why doing Elsie Fest seems like such a really, like, brilliant idea and that will sort of super serve a very passionate fan base. Yeah, I, let's hope so. Listen, I'm, I'd be happy to have as many unicorns as humanly possible at, at LC Fest. That sounds great. I mean, yeah, yeah Lin-Manuel is a great example of the fusion of two different, um, you know, interests. That, and he's done a really fabulous job of of making both things accessible for both um, sides of the coin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. So he, he's a perfect example of kind of what this uh, festival embodies. Um but uh, so yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. We have Seth Rudetsky, who um, you know is, is a big uh, Broadway personality in this community. And uh, if you listen to SiriusXM Radio, he's a very um, popular host, and he performs a lot. I I also want to to acknowledge the fact that I I will forever be able to introduce you now as the Emmy Award nominated Darren Chris. Um, <laughs> You that know, has it, a nice, kind of, that has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Because you are nominated for an Emmy Award now, which is really cool, right? <laughs> but what's funny, as as an as an actor, people would think that it's for like some acting role, which is you know that like yeah, right. I got you know I got it for writing a song, so I feel like it's one of these. Uh, Embrace the award nomination. Just take it. I, I, to- I, total, I totally will. It's funny. It's like if I got nominated for like costume design, and I, if I was an actor, that I could forever be Academy Award nominated. You know, exactly. This time, no one's gonna say goodbye. I keep you in this heart of mine. This time, Darren is nominated for. Um, uh, best, or, sorry, outstanding original music and lyrics for writing the song this time for the finale episode of Glee. It was the next to last song performed on the show. Leah and Michelle sang the song, um, and um, you're actually uh, nominated along with um, some pretty, uh, you know, significant folks. Uh, yeah. Your, uh, the, the Lopez's, uh, Chris Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, who of course wrote Let It Go and the music for Frozen, they're actually nominated twice in this category. Twice. Yes. So here's here's hoping they'll split the vote, and <laughs> I'm I don't know. I'm yeah, just yeah. being silly. Who it's knows. an award. It's just it's yeah. just nice to be recognized. Yeah, especially when you have names like Bob, Bobby and Kristen, and like and and the other nominees who, uh, you know, like the it, it's not like um, the world is is hanging on the edge of their seats finding out who gets 
nominated for songs. Like, you know, it's all, I get it. It's like, they want to know. I do. Like, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And you <laughs> are the world, Keith. Thank you. Well, forgive yeah. me. But, you know, pe- you know, people are, you know, John, the, the John Hams and, and the, 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 the actors and all that stuff. I realize that sort of gets the glitz and the glam. So, um, in our humble, humble little world, I, you know, I think it's really cool to be just listed alongside those people. Well, before we wrap up, um, I, I want to know, and, and I want you to clear up a rumor for me, and this is Please. where you can feel, feel free to shoot me down. Um, I, I like to look at uh, someone's IMDb page every so often, and evidently, you're in American Horror Story Hotel. Um, is that true? Because maybe we'll see you next year at the Emmy Awards in a different category, perhaps. Um, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm going to be doing that. Um, hey, uh, look at that. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but um, I think it's out there. I think Brian Murphy <laughs> you, you, put that out there. I don't, think well, I I don't like, think. I don't know if he's put it out there. You're, you're, you're named Hipster Justin on IMDb, and you're in, I think, three or four episodes, allegedly. You telling me that my name is Justin on IMDb, that's the most I've heard about. I'm, I didn't know my name was Justin. So, so it's one of those things where, because Ryan Murphy is the, the co-creator of uh, American Horror Story, or he might be the sole creator. It's with a fo- bunch of folks, and Ryan Murphy, of course, created Glee, which Darren, of course, we already mentioned, was a part of. So I'm assuming he probably just called you and was like, hey, do you want to be part of this? And you're like, sure, that, whatever it is, I'll do it. That yeah. is actually exactly what happened. He emailed me. I was in I was in Italy and uh he just emailed me, Do you want to do this thing? And I was like, Yeah, dude, of course. That sounds awesome. Um so this is where uh, you find out you've been cast as like a murderer or something, or you get knocked off after three minutes in the in a show, but you're like, great. Whatever, it's Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I, I well I don't th- I don't think it's for like a huge uh I, you know, I, I don't know very much, but I, I don't think I'm gonna be around very long. Uh, I think it's just for you know, maybe an episode or two. But I, I have no idea. That's what I thought Glee was gonna be, so who knows? Exactly. And to tie it back to Nick Jonas just one more time, he's in Screen Queens, which is, of course, another Ryan Murphy production. And I'm yes. pretty sure he, he gets knocked off kind of quickly, too. So, again, you know, it's it's this full circle moment with you and Nick Jonas. I don't know why I keep coming back to him. But it's, well, it's you know, it's it's fine. Like, he has had such a fabulous career that if I'm ever in the same thought process as Nick Jonas, I consider that a good day. So I'm okay with yeah. that. And, and 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 as you said, uh, your stint on Glee was, I think, initially only supposed to be like an episode or two, and um, your debut episode where you sing, of course, um, Katy Perry's Teenage Dream turned into such a sort of you know pop culture moment that it turned into a much longer stint on the show. So hey, you never know yeah. what could happen. You never you, know. You, you really you really don't trust me. That's that's kind of been the the story of my life the past few years because that was five six years ago. Oh my God. So yeah, you just never know. Let's hope I can say the same thing with Elsie, by the way. Let's hope I can be like, yeah, who knew that it was going to excellent day. I hope I didn't just jinx it by saying that actually. No, 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 you didn't. And just this year alone, you, you, you finished off Glee. You starred on Broadway and, and um, Hedvig and the Angry Inch. You went to Italy to do a movie. Now you're back doing Elsie Fest. You have the Emmy Awards. You're doing American Horror Story. And this is all just in this calendar year. So you're kind of busy, Darren. Jeez, you're kind of busy. You are so good at this. I, I am so lost in my own, like, what I'm doing in the next five minutes that I can never really look at it that way. So thank you. Hey, God. Sure. I gotta fire my publicist. No, 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 no. You're way better at this. No, I'm kidding. 
Yeah, yes, he's very kidding. He's very, very kidding. He's very that doesn't that grammatically doesn't even make any sense, but whatever. Yeah, um, thank you very much for doing this. It was lovely talking. Likewise, likewise, man. Um, and uh, always, always really fun time catching up about the stuff. I hope you make it out, Tennessee. I, I would love to. I would love to make it happen. And if if I can't, um, maybe I can send an emissary uh, in in my place to to check it out because I, I think it's going to be a hoot and a half. Yeah, send Nick Jonas. Yes, and Nick Jonas. Thanks again to Darren Chris for uh, calling in to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. Uh, make sure to check out the Elsie Fest on September 27th. And hey, Darren, good luck this weekend at the Emmy Awards. Um, and also, of course, make sure to check out Darren on American Horror Story Hotel to see if he survives the first episode. Who knows if he'll even be in the first episode? We have no idea. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, so now you know what time it is, Katie. Ooh, what time is it? It's time for me and the chart set of the week. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Normally, Jason would introduce the chart set of the week, but now I'm introducing you introduce yourself. Now I'm introducing myself. <laughs> um, so, 45 years ago this week, Linda Ronstadt earned her first top 40 hit on the Hot 100 chart as a solo artist with Long Long Time. The track jumped from number 50 to number 31 on the chart dated September 12, 1970. Now, I say solo artist for a reason. Even though Ronstadt is obviously a soloist, you see, before she became a big star in the early 1970s, she was part of the band The Stone Ponies in the late 1960s. And they actually earned a top 40 hit in 1968 with Different Drum, a track written, actually, by Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. Oh, man. Who knew? Um, I certainly didn't (laughs) until I was researching this. However, despite being a member of the group, she was marketed as the featured act on the single for Different Drum. Actually, when you bought the single for Different Drum, it says Stone Ponies featuring Linda Ronstadt. It's, It's almost like when the Pussycat Dolls briefly became the Pussycat Dolls featuring Nicole Scherzinger. Yes. You know, it's a way to elevate the quote-unquote star in the group. The other ladies really like that. I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure the other ladies in the group loved that. It still just didn't make any sense. But anyway, I digress. So when Linda Ronstadt hit the top 40 for the second time in total with Long Long Time, it was under her name and her name alone. So that's what we're talking about 45 years ago this week the next time she actually visited the top 40 was in 1975 and it was with her highest charting single ever the number one hit you're no good you're no good you're no good baby you're no good (laughs) i'm gonna say it again um in total the 10-time grammy award winner has earned 21 top 40 singles including the 70 smashes when will i be loved and blue bayou she continued to tally hits into the 1980s and the 1990s with songs like Somewhere Out There from, of course, the animated film An American Tale. Oh, Fievel. Fievel. <laughs> and Don't Know Much <laughs> with Aaron Neville. Uh, but I know I love that maybe. Um, both singles <laughs> reached number two on the Hot 100 chart. I really like that song. But that, like, he's like the most impersonated yes. singing voice in music history. J- Jim- Jimmy Fallon does a great one. Oh my God, Don't so good. Don't Know Much. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, so actually Ronstadt retired from performing music live in 2009 and revealed in 2013 that she had Parkinson's disease, which is obviously the reason why she doesn't perform live anymore. Mm. She says that she can't, she's just like, I can't really, I can't do the notes anymore, I can't sing. Because mm. Parkinson's has a way of seizing control of certain parts of your body. Um, so that's why she says she can't perform live anymore. But it doesn't mean that she can't talk. She yeah. can't communicate. She, she can still communicate. Um, in fact, the next year after she uh, acknowledged that she had Parkinson's, um, she actually had this kind of sort of like moment of like lavish praise. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and also received the 2013 National Medal of Arts Award, which is the U.S. government's highest award for artists and arts patrons. Um, yes, I did crib that from a website. Um, today at age 69, though she doesn't sing live anymore, she still does speaking engagements. Okay. So if you want to go watch Linda Ronstadt talk about her life, you can still do so. Um, and she'll next appear at the Valley Performing Arts Center in Northridge, California on September 29th. So maybe we can head up there and go watch Linda. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Um, so there's your chart stat of the week. 45 years ago, Linda Ronstadt hit the top 40 with Long, Long Time. You know, it's one of those songs where you, you see the song title and you, you're not quite sure if you know it, but then you hear it, you're like, oh, oh that one. That one. Mm-hmm. She has a lot. I think there's a lot of 70s songs that are like that for me yeah. because you hear them in the ether. Yep. And you don't realize, oh, that's who it is? You don't identify it with Linda Ronstadt immediately. There's actually quite a few of her songs. And so I encourage you to go check out her. She has a brand new Greatest Hits album. And it's it's pretty. She's had a long career. Super long. Like long. Like really long. Really long. (laughs) How long is it? Anyway, um, I, that's it. That that that's, oh, that's it. That's it. Um, unfortunately, that's it. I mean, we can keep talking, but yeah, I mean, we will. We sit next to each other at work, so we will. Right, we're gonna keep this podcast going. <laughs> you it'll, don't need to hear it. It'll but just we be live. Be, we will be talking. <laughs> um, we'll be back uh, next week. I might drag Katie in here again. She Ooh. she may have no choice. Okay. Um, and uh, Katie, do you have any parting words? Just you know, thanks to the Pop Shop podcast listeners for accepting a replacement for the week. I appreciate it. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> um, so, in honor of uh, her being our chart stat of the week uh, honoree, uh, let's go out on Linda Ronstadt's number five hit from 1977. It's so easy to. Fall. It's so easy. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank and you. Bye. Bye. It's- Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.